All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello, and welcome again to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies, and they're coming to get you, Bob, or I mean, Andrew. How are you doing today, co-host? I'm doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? I am doing all right. So last week, I just came back from Korea to see one of my best friends get married. It's the first time I've been back in nearly three years, and any listeners out there who don't know, uh, both of us actually met. You know what? No. Let's start from here. You know, this could be the very first episode. There could be some pieces super fan out there that just realized that, oh my God, someone actually made a podcast about this movie, and they have no idea what we're about. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself, and then you should. All right. My name is Dan. I love horror movies, and this is a podcast where we talk about them. All right, yeah. Uh, My name's Andrew. Um, I also really enjoy horror movies. Um, and kind of just to pick up off where uh, Dan left off there, uh, he and I met in South Korea about four years ago. Um, we were both teaching Something English. Like that, yep. mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we decided to kind of start this podcast just to talk about horror movies because we both watched them together. Uh, we watched a lot of kind of terrible ones together while we were there and we wanted to kind of continue that. And then we also watched a lot of terribly good ones. Oh too. yeah, yeah, you know, that, those, those exist. <laughs> I mean, it, there's a lot of overlap back yeah, and we, forth. We did watch Annabelle, so classic. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> so we went ahead and uh, just a little bit about what's been going on in my life. Yeah, I did get back from South Korea last week. First time I've been back since then. And um, one of the things my friend and I did over there was we created a little Korea bingo card where we were texting each other while I was on the train from Incheon Airport all the way to Seoul. And we started talking about, okay, what are some things that we know we're going to see in Korea? Very first one I checked off. Dope The little dope-do. islands right in between Korea and Japan. Both nations claim sovereignty to it, and it's a massive, massive, massive publicity advertisement for Korea in terms of them saying it's their own sovereign property and Japan should get their grubby little fingers off it. So that was one of the things I knocked off. Um uh, Achi spitting on the streets, old man spitting on the street. That was another one too. Uh, old woman in bright pastel neon colors, um, called an Ajima with a sun visor, knocking someone <laughs> on over or just shoving someone out of the way. That was another one I saw too. Um, ooh, I went to a Mikrat cafe. That was fun. Oh, dude, that looks so cool. Oh, it was amazing. So it was. It wasn't just Mikrats. It was like a whole bunch of Australian animals. My friend. Um, she picked out the place, um, and so we went in together. The meek rats were in this little pen in the center of the cafe, and you can only stay in there for about 10 minutes. Um, so we came on in, and there was a meek rat there. There was a, oh, I'm having a brain fart, wallaby. That's the mini kangaroo, yeah. right? Yeah. They had a wallaby just kind of hopping around the place, going back and forth, um, and we were able to take our shoes off and go into the little pen with the meek rats. And immediately once we all sat down, they just started swarming all <laughs> over us. It's my new Facebook profile picture. And I, there's one of me with like covered with five meek rats. And then I'm just holding my hands up like, well, this guess this is my life now. Um, those grubbly little hands, they get everywhere too. <laughs> one of my friends, um, his pants were zipped all the way up Girl. and, uh, they grabbed everywhere, which, 
you know, would be a great segue into pieces. But I want to know how your life's been going, Andrew. And that is a great segue into pieces. Shit. <laughs> uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't get to hang out with any animals. Um, aside from my, my dog, who's currently rolled up on a uh, blanket behind me because I took away his giant bone from him that he was going to play with and chew very loudly. Um, he's got a big ass bone, right? Yeah, he's, it's it's a it's a way now. He can't he can't have it. He just <laughs> chews on it, rips off pieces of it. Um, uh-huh. I've mean, been up to much. Just uh, you know, winter's uh, finally starting to show its head here a little bit. Got a lot of snow. I spent about two hours outside today just shoveling intermittently. My roommate thinks I have OCD Jesus. with it because I just keep going out and shoveling. Um, I don't miss that at all. So I'm down in the south right now. I'm down in the state of North Carolina, and you're up in the northeast. And do they do dibs up there in the northeast? Like. Like with shoveling spots, no, maybe. Well, like okay. there are dicks who will do things like put furniture out in front of spots and shit. But yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking oh, yeah. about. Yeah, because in Chicago, that's a huge thing where someone will go, they will shovel out a spot on the street, and then they will put furniture, they will put flower pots, they will put any sort of thing. I remember one time I saw this like um, plexiglass dinosaur that they just <laughs> kind of stuck out there. That's genius. <laughs> I was just like, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, they call dibs and basically they're saying, yeah, that's my spot. I'm the only one allowed to park there. And it's a huge thing in winter in Chicago. I remember the subreddit just posts pictures of the most creative, crazy dibs all the time there. But that's a thing up in the Northeast too. Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, I remember it was funny, uh, uh, back during the election or during the voting season, uh, when they were voting on, I forget what bill it was some bill about like, right. Uh, some, some bill, which I maybe they're just voting against somebody trying to repeal like the, um, same sex marriage. Uh, bill mm-hmm. and they made a commercial about it and like it was a commercial about uh, basically people in Boston are being in Massachusetts being like mass holes like being bad drivers uh-huh. and like you know like oh and like, it was this like this guy in a bar talking about it. he's like you know like we'll 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 bring our grandmother's old furniture out and put out in a parking spot to say it's ours we'll walk into <laughs> the fuck we want to the road we'll just honk our horn do whatever we want to do and like the, the message is basically like we're mass holes we're not assholes so they're saying like you know uh-huh. it's okay to be like to you know have your Fragile masculinity and be like a, a big asshole, but like you know, like to be a big asshole, but don't like infringe on people's rights. It was, it was like a nice <laughs> message, funny. but I was just like, damn, like way to way to like define like masters of people like to a T. It's <laughs> <laughs> like great. Yeah, that's one of the big differences I've noticed between drivers in Chicago and drivers down here in North Carolina is drivers in Chicago they know how to drive. They just don't care, and they're dicks about it. Um, they will cut you off. They will drive aggressively. They will go back and forth, just Mad Max style, all the way around. Just you know, it's basically they're they're there to say, "Witness me." <laughs> and here down in North Carolina, people just don't know how to drive in general. Like, I want to take them under my wing and say no 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 that's not how it's done this is how you do it okay you put the turn signal up when you want to turn right okay or when you put the turn signal down you put it down right means right left leaves left that's that's just something that you do here so we know that we don't get into a bloody accident Wait, you mean, you, okay. mean you, you don't just merge Good. randomly okay. without any warning or when there's a car next to you you just don't just do that and hope that they'll stop <laughs> I mean, they do, but they just, they don't know. They don't know. They're, they're, they're baby birds down uh-huh. there. They just, they don't know how to drive. And I just, I want to take them all under my wing and say, this is how we do it here in Chicago. And then when snow gets involved, oh my God, it snowed right before winter break back in December and everyone loses their shit. What, what, what's snow like there? Is it like feet, inches? Uh, we had an actual 
decent amount. There was one day where we got school canceled on Monday, and then we had a late start on Tuesday, I want to say. It was about four inches, but that was a huge amount. Get out of here. Like, people had no idea what to do. The milk and bread were just flying (laughs) off the shelves. It was insane. And usually it's more of a light dusting, and it's usually done by, gone by the afternoon. Um, But they still cancel school for it because... They just don't have the infrastructure down here to deal with it. Oh, fair. So, yeah. we, actually, we actually got a cool. we got a school delayed an hour today when I when I left my uh, work. They they not delayed. I'm sorry. They ended an hour early because they're afraid of the snow coming tonight. Uh, it was, was kind of great. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. How many inches are you expecting? <laughs> not many. Like five. I think I've already shoveled up most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's supposed to like rain and stuff. I'm hoping for like a delay tomorrow morning just because uh-huh. I don't know. I, I'm lazy, but we'll, we'll see what yeah. happens. Dude, there is no better feeling than waking up and there's a snow day, especially when you're a teacher. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. actually, wait, before we, before we move on to the movie, have you heard of the series, the anime series, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Uh, yes, absolutely. Have, have you watched any of it? And I've seen all the memes. I have not watched it, but I've seen all, all right, the memes. You need to watch, like, like, uh-huh. watch, like watch the dub. Okay. Watch, it's amazing. It's like, I've been okay, obsessed no. with it. It's fucking ridiculous. Okay. Now, my question for you. Yeah. How many hundred episodes does it have? Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, well, so the nice thing about it is it's divided into mini seasons, and like each season follows uh-huh. a different protagonist. So like, okay. you could watch one season and stop. Okay. Um, but like, they're all named Joe. Like, they're all named like the first one's named like Joseph Joestar. The second one I think is like Joe. I can't. What the second one's name? No, one of them. I can't care what the first guy's name is. But the second one's name is like Joseph Joestar. The third one's name is Jotaro Kenjo. And there's like, so there are a lot of names that like they, they end up making the name Jojo for. But it's very self-aware. Like, it's it's ridiculously, like, over-the-top. Like, it starts out... The first season's, like, very bloody and kind of just, like, a big, like, I don't know, Fist of the North Star kind of over-the-top shit. But then it just gets, like, mm-hmm. more and more ridiculous as they go on. Like, and the, the mm-hmm. ending themes... Like, one of the ending themes is walk like an Egyptian. And it's just, like... <laughs> it's just, like, so awkward. That one's new. <laughs> it's just, like, oh, that's uh-huh. interesting. It's it's great. Yeah. It's, like, it's... I've no. had so much fun watching it. <laughs> that's great because um, I remember I got a subscription to Show and Jump back in high school and there was Naruto and One Piece and wasn't Jojo one of them as well let me check that up real quick it may have been I know I mean that basketball one there's that uh, with the red haired kid uh, High Jump High Q something like that I can't yeah something like that no, sh- sh- uh, Dragon Ball obviously was on like Yu-Gi-Oh was on like Shaman King because like Jojo um, gets it's pretty yeah, violent Show and Jump and, like mm-hmm. gross <laughs> like <laughs> but arms blown off like it's like it's awkward, it's awkwardly graphic, and I feel like every season has uh-huh. to kill a dog in some graphic way, and I don't quite know why, oh, and I feel kind of bad. Worst. <laughs> that's the worst. I saw Butt Zombievers a month ago, and that was that was the worst part of the movie. Dude. There's there's a website out there called um, DoesTheDogDie.com, and it's it's the most amazing website. Good. So I'll know to avoid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just right need there. that. Right? No, I don't. And I don't think anyone does. That and the recent trend of realistic vomit in movies, like, no one needs that. Nah, I just want my pea soup. Yeah, exactly. I mean, The Exorcist did it well. That was very realistic. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, I can tell, I, I can say one honest instance where I thought the vomit really added to the scene. And that was the jump scare in The Sixth Sense when the boy gets back under the tent and the girl's throwing up. Oh, yeah. That was a good one, because it was just like, what the fuck? Oh, she's just scared. Gotcha. And then you find out what really happened to her, and it was just like, ugh. All right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's go back to Meek Rats. Uh, Wait, wait. I I, I don't want to be mean, 
But okay. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced meerkat. 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 I'm pretty sure it's. I'm, pretty sure it's, I'm gonna ask Timon right now. Pretty sure he's a meerkat. Timon, meerkat. Timon says yes. <laughs> okay, so meerkat. Meerkats, they get everywhere. My friend Tom, um, he got in there and he sat down on the floor. Legs are sprawled out. The meerkat jumped up on him. First, started trying to get in his rear pocket. Then, got under his shirt. Then, the meerkat found out that his zipper was not pulled all the way up. And it just reached on in there. And Tom just sat there, and he was just like, please don't go any deeper, please don't go any deeper. Oh, God, it's going deeper. Because, like, we're the foreigners in this cafe, (laughs) and we don't want to be kicked out. And, like, we can't communicate, hey, this is that. So all he could do was just wave to the lady who was working the counter making the... Uh, macchiatos, and then just point and say, "Hey, it's it's this this meerkat is scraping down there, and it's getting awfully close to the family jewels, and I don't feel comfortable about this." Um, but eventually, the meerkat got bored. Oh, good, good. Um, and that's that. But I saw a movie the other day, and the ending scene reminded me of that. Oh, what, what movie could that have been? Oh God, um, it was the 1982. Hold up, I got. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> right there. It was the 18... 18? Uh, 19... <laughs> Meerkat. <laughs> 1982 slasher film called Mil Gritos Tiene La Noche. English for pieces. That is totally not English for it. Oh my it's god. It's something the night? Ugh. Something the night? Something of the nights. Uh, the night of a thousand screams oh, yeah. is what it is in Spanish. I, I like it. There were there were some screams. Especially at the end. Yeah, there's, there's there a were, great there scream. Were lots, especially that one scream where she yelled out bastards over oh my and gosh. over again. I, I love that scene. Because just, she just um, never stopped. <laughs> never did. And there was that one part where you think she's going to stop and then she just keeps going with it. Anyway, we'll get to it when we come to it. Anyway, um, so, Andrew, I had never heard of this movie until you suggested it. So I'm assuming you had heard of this movie before. So why don't you give us a little rundown? Do you know any background information on it? Have you done any research? Have you figured out exactly what the Illuminati is trying to send in the message in this movie? Um, so for me, I just, I'd heard of it. I've heard it mentioned a couple times in other horror podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd... I just kind of knew it from that reputation. I didn't quite know what it was about. I'd heard about the, I've heard about like kind of the, the legend of the ending, which is, I think it's kind of like the mm-hmm. Sleepaway camp ending where you kind of know about it. Yes. But you're just kind of like, Ooh, didn't you see the whole movie? Didn't know that ending. Um, so, you know, <laughs> when we were talking about a movie to watch, I'm like, Oh, let's, let's fucking throw that on. Yeah. Um, and when we were talking about how for episode three, we want something a little bit more cult life. That's something, something that not everyone has heard of. Um, and this apparently has a massive cold following, and apparently it was one of the pioneers. So, you think slasher films. Mm-hmm. What are the big three slasher films to you? All right. That's... Ooh, okay, so I know... I, I... Okay, now I'm, 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 I'm not talking about your favorite three. I'm talking about if you were to pick the most impactful three slasher films that define the genre, what would those three be? Oh, man, because I know I know that I probably should say Halloween, Friday Thirteenth, and um, Nightmare on Elm Street, but I feel like got them in three. I feel okay, like Christmas, good. That's what I was I going like for. Black Christmas <laughs> needs to be in there. 
Yes, I agree too. And maybe that'll be another episode where we talk about uh, that. But in terms of cultural impact, I feel those three have been the biggest mm. one. And like Black Christmas, apparently this one internationally did a lot for the slasher genre as well. It's a uh, movie from Spain. It was released over there still in 1982. Um, and directed by J. Piquero Simon. Did I completely butcher that like I did Mirka? Uh, I think Juan Piquero Simon? Uh, Simon? Juan, Juan Piquero Simon? Simon? I, I don't know. Simon. Uh-huh, something like that. Um, he has known for Pieces and Slugs. Oh, I love Slugs. The movie. Slugs the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there's a book called Slugs as well. That's, that's what's called Slugs the movie. Ah, yeah, it's based on the horror, movie, then, uh, horror novel right there. <laughs> and then he also did The Pod People, too, which I do remember, because that was a Mystery Science Theater 3 or 3000 episode, and I do really, really remember that one, too. Oh, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. So anyway, this is a slasher film. It's a uh, Spanish slasher film based on... the. Um, it's it's uh, the premise is very basic, but it does some interesting things with how ton and cheek mm. everything is. Yeah, it, it was hard. I feel like it sometimes I kind of wondered like, is it on? Is it like making fun of some of these things? Like, is it? It almost felt like it was aware of what it was doing sometimes, but other times it felt like it didn't. I don't know. And then. I'm not so sure how much of it was the actual movie and how much of it was the dubbing job. Um, like, do you remember when you downloaded ROMs and emulations for, like, Super Nintendo Japanese RPGs? And there was always the official translation, but sometimes before the games got officially ported, like Tales of Fantasia, there was the fan translation as well. Or better even yet, fan dubbing versus real anime dubbing. Oh, like, yeah. I, the actual official anime dubbing or the actual official France translation, they're always just very, you know, it, it's professional for the most mm. part. But the fan translation, it's always, it, it just always feels so exaggerated. The swear words are crazy, going back and forth. Um, and I always felt that fan translations were a little bit more tongue-in-cheek of that mm. one. And that's the impression I got from this movie right there. Like, a lot of the Lou dialogue, I was just like, is this intentional? Are they hamming it up because this is a dub? Because I think they are. Well, this is this is a little bit crazy. Well, the thing about the, the dub is, I think it's not... Um, I'm actually looking at the actors right now. They're all they're all American actors. And so I think mm. I think it was a case where the du- they dubbed... It was like a ADR dub, not like a, not a language dub. It was just a... They just dubbed over the voice like, they, like I think a lot of movies back then they just kind of redubbed it, maybe to make it look like those Italian films that they brought over, that were you know that were then dubbed in English. But this one I think was like everybody in it spoke English, and I think they just redubbed their lines after to make the sound better. So I'm, like I think okay. their mics were just bad because like I'm looking at the cast, everybody speaks English. The director is Spanish, and it was released in Spain first, uh-huh. I believe. Um, but yeah. It was. It was. Wow. I believe. I believe everybody involved is, Eng- is English speaking, which might might wow. be difficult because who knows? Maybe the people. Maybe like the director didn't speak English. Maybe. Uh... Maybe the director just forced everyone to speak Spanish and then they redubbed it later. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it gives this. Yeah, it does give it a very foreign feel, foreign film feel, um, and it gives it a little bit so real. And it just it. Yeah, it, it's like a Twin Peaks episode. Things are just a little bit off the entire time, and that kind of adds to the atmosphere. Well, it even looks like most of it was filmed anyway. in Spain, too, so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the plot, then. Right. 
So, Pieces is a typical slasher film. Um, There's a serial killer out on the loose in this college campus running amok, and we get to see him basically dismember and murder several college students, mostly young women. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think exclusively young young women, except for the opening. Yeah, except for the opening kill. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it all brings it back together in the end. So piece it together. Um, starts off. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so it starts off uh, in 1942, where this little boy named Timmy is playing with a jigsaw puzzle of this naked woman, uh, which is something that I have not seen outside of a Spencer's. Um, so I'm not sure how he got that back in 1942. Possibly there was a father in the war somewhere that kept it in a cigar box. <laughs> um, I really can't think of any other reason for this boy to have a jigsaw puzzle of a nude lemon. I mean, the kid's 10. Puberty hasn't hit yet, but maybe they grew up faster back well, then. Yeah, and, and he he does, it always is in these little, like, Christmassy boxes. Maybe his dad, maybe his, you know, his dad who left him, as we can assume, just kind of sent it to him for Christmas one year. He was like, how old are you again? He's like, here's a porn puzzle. Have, have fun. You know? Uh-huh. Maybe it's um, like when my dad got me that really skimpy Britney Spears poster when I was 13 because I guess it was a masculinity thing. Um, maybe that was something going on there. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't told you that story. I will Come later. On. So anyway, um, so he's playing with this jigsaw puzzle. Mom comes on in and mom is like, oh, a naked lady. Well, I never. You are filth and this is filth. Timmy, you need to go up. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw away all your toys, which is a wonderful way to whoa. raise a serial whoa, killer. Whoa, whoa, you were very kind about that. No, no, this bitch slaps him in the face and says, get all your stuff. Or we're going to burn everything. <laughs> She's not going to throw it out. She's like, yes. I'm going to light your shit on fire. <laughs> like... You know, I would have thought a simple timeout was fine, but uh, yeah, no, she's uh, she's a little bit deranged right there, but that's okay, because it runs on the family, because Timmy comes on back and just acts to the oh, face. Yes. And, uh, you know, obviously it was a homage to Halloween, mm. um, <laughs> but uh, Mom dies, and that's the very first kill in the movie. And the neighbor hears the commotion, and she brings the police over, and Timmy is in the closet, just kind of crying and hiding and trying his best to do his non-murderer impression. Um, The police take him in and say, oh, poor Timmy, your mom has died in this bloody, bloody room, and, you know, the murder weapon's right there, but we're not going to check it for prints, we're not going to try anything going on there, we're just going to stick you elsewhere. That that is a theme in this movie. Um, Everybody touches the murder weapons in this movie. Like, all the time. They're like, oh, man, there's a, there's a saw here, and it's covered in blood. Like, the guy's, like, walking, like, puts his hand on it. It's like, hmm, what's this doing here? Like... Uh, sir, that's evidence. <laughs> like, also... <laughs> Just like, oh, okay. It's like, if, if you found a young boy in a closet covered in blood, and his mom's been dismembered, like, would you not have any questions for the... Would you not be like, hmm, hmm, child? Like, why yeah. why is there blood all over your face and your hands? Like, what's, what's going on here, buddy? I feel like I'd be a little more suspicious. Yeah, you know, I saw this documentary series called Dexter about that, and that did not turn out well. Um, I do love the one police officer. I can't remember if it was uh, Bracken or Holden. Actually, they, they come in later. But one of the police officers that comes on in, he just says in this very nonchalant voice, Oh, something's been butchered up here. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, really? That's like saying, Oh, it's a little wet during Hurricane Florence. It's, dude... Someone died. Okay. 
you're the murder police. This is what you maybe, do. Maybe it's... You're going to have to get used to this. You know, this is in Boston. <laughs> Clearly, you know, it's, 19, it's 1942 in Boston. <laughs> Wait, isn't like World yeah. War II happening? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, that's where he got the naked lady, because the father's away. Oh, you're, okay, you I, know, I This would have never happened. So we can all blame it back on Hitler. That's what we yeah. can do. Okay. No, see, it's, it's clearly, yeah, it's an issue of the war. It's proof that, you know, he, like, actually, no, I don't even make that joke. Never mind. <laughs> I was, was making a joke. Never mind. We're good. We're good. All right. So, okay, so, we're so smash cut. So anyway, uh-huh. so anyway, um, jump cut to 40 years later. The boy is all grown up. He's wearing this trench coat. He's wearing this shadow-esque, um, it's not a fedora. It's, it's a fedora-esque thing. It's a fedora-esque thing, I it's guess. Like, but he it's like a dark man hat. Off. Oh, yeah. Ooh, man. Uh-huh. And he opens up a box, and the box has got the clothing of his mother um, that she was wearing on the night he butchered her, and then a photograph of her, and then also the bloody jigsaw puzzle, which is kind of just this theme. The entire movie, they cut to him after every kill, putting together the jigsaw puzzle again and again, over and over and over again. And I want to ask, how the fuck did he get that mother's dress? Like, yeah, like, like, I'm not like, gonna think like about even it. that puzzle, that should all be somewhere in evidence, right? Like, where did, yeah, where is that coming from? I, I mean, I, I think in the canon of this universe, it takes place in a parallel universe where police just don't care about evidence whatsoever, and they just kind of go on people's words, like this kid in the closet, nope, not happening. So, yeah, you know, actually, maybe once he's released from jail or like, you know, from custody, they were like, you know, okay, here's something to remember your mother by, and gave him the dress, and they're like, and here's a porn puzzle. And he's like, okay. Like, yeah, can, can I have that too? And like, <laughs> This will make you feel okay. better. It'll put hair on your yeah, chest. Yeah, you know, they, they just brought it with him. But actually, speaking of that puzzle, like every time they uh-huh. show him putting a piece into that you know, the puzzle, all I can think of is the actor wearing those fucking gloves trying to push those little pieces. Like, the, the, the actor has so much fucking trouble all the time. It's just like hammering the pieces in. He's just like, I feel like he's just took like 20 minutes of him just like, all right, slide it in there. Like, you know, they had to put pieces together for, before him before you even uh-huh. put it on. Like, yeah. He comes in with like three uh-huh. pieces together because it would have just been too hard to do one at a time. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's, the guy was really struggling with that. And then I just had this visual of the scene where Timmy gets out of the police station and 1942 police station and these two detectives are sitting there and going, oh God, this kid, man, that was a really messed up thing he witnessed. Yeah, what should we do for him? I don't know. Let's give him a puzzle of a naked lady. That sounds good. Wouldn't the blood be bad? Nah, he'll be fine. Just toughen up, you know. We'll give him some whiskey, too. That'll put hair on his chest. <laughs> so anyway. That's how get over it. Um, yeah, that's how we get over it. You know, that's, that's how it is. Anyway, so 40 years later, there he has grown up. He is now the serial killer, and he's putting these pieces together. Ooh. And... We get introduced to our first victim, who is Skateboarding Chick. <laughs> and that, yeah, that's her name, Skateboarding Chick. Skateboarding Chick is just skating around this college campus. And the scene finally happens where this plain glass window carriers get it out of a truck and they start carrying it back and forth. And you're thinking, oh, God, is she going to hit it? Is she not going to hit it? Is she not going to hit it? Whoa! And then, bam, the glass shatters all over the place. But she's fine. Wait, does she it did. shatter? I don't, I, I don't know the version I was watching. Didn't I feel like I never saw her hit it, and I was really confused. I was like, is... Yeah, no, it was... 
Yeah, it was very confusing. The impression I got was she shattered. Uh, we see her going. We see her kind of losing control. And then the very next shot is glass shattering all over. Oh, okay. Maybe I, I we don't actually attention. see her hit it. But that was the impression I got. It could be that maybe a bird flew into it and she was fine. It could be that maybe they just dropped it. Maybe that was an entire other piece of glass entirely. I mean, I don't... The cartoon worlds just don't Honestly, like, the, we'll uh, the, the given the continuity of this movie and just how weird the editing is, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just an unrelated scene. Just random glass. Yeah. You actually just find out that somebody actually drops, <laughs> drops like, a, a mug. Just that breaks. It's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, no, I'm thinking maybe they had the glass people on set for the day and they were just like, okay, so we're going to fit this in there. I don't know. Maybe that was the original. Nah, it wouldn't have been the original kill because it wasn't the burner. Anyway. So... We've got this right there. The girl flies into the glass, and then we see her about five minutes later after we are introduced to my favorite character in the entire movie, Chainsaw Guy. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Chainsaw Guy. Well, you know, Chainsaw Guy, he has, a, he has a hard life. He spends some time chainsawing, and while he's chainsawing, this annoying girl is like, hey, I'm studying here, and he's like, I'm doing my job, you know, chainsawing and shit, like, you know, as I'm paid for probably by... The, you know, the government to pay these things and, you know, cut these things up. Uh-huh. And then, you know, Trump lays them off, so he goes and takes her down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, Chainsaw Guy, he is basically this big, burly, bearded gentleman, and all he wants to do is just landscape. I mean, that's his job. And then the dean comes on oh, over and says, hey, that's, listen. That's not, whoa, 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 whoa. That yeah, comes later, yeah. This is the difference. This, this is Glove Chainsaw Guy. Oh, no, I'm talking about groundskeeper chainsaw guy. Well, no, the chainsaw guy she talks to is glove chainsaw guy. I think. I th- really? I think it's implied oh, yeah, that yeah, because they don't see his face. That's right. That's hey, right. Get your chainsaw guys together. You know, there's just too many chainsaws. I got a fact about chainsaw guy. I did do some light BVP research, but we're gonna is he a wrestler? Because that's my guess. Back. Oh, that's okay. better. Anyway, <laughs> is he a sex fiend? So, is he on no, some predator watch right. Which like. He, he seems all right. He seems okay. all right. Okay, so we've got Chainsaw Guy, Glove Chainsaw Guy, Naked Puzzle Lady Chainsaw Guy says, hey, I'm just going to be five more minutes. And then the girl's just like, oh, God, fine. I'm a millennial, but this is the 70s, but I'm acting like a spoiled millennial, blah, blah, blah. And then Chainsaw Guy decides that uh, she needs to get ahead in life, so he decapitates her. And that is our second kill of the movie. Oh, yeah. So, after we've got that, that is when the Dean gets involved. And we meet the Dean, and we meet the Lieutenant Bracken and Sergeant Holden. And they come on in, and they say, Hey, murders are happening. We need to investigate this stuff. And the Dean says, Well, I am not sure what I can do for you. And they say, We need to vet every single staff member on this campus and the dean goes but no we have done everything to vet them we have run background checks everything is fine and then we are introduced to another scene for our new character who is my second favorite character in the movie professor brown oh, professor. oh yeah but before you meet professor brown yes do you remember the there's a great scene with some teens talking some oh, teens yes. smoking uh, some pot. Like, I, I got a question for you, Dan. Have you ever uh, been laid on a waterbed before? <laughs> I have not. I had that in my notes, too. That one specific thing. So there's a group of teenagers just standing around, and I guess... I 
again, going back to the Japanese RPG translation, going back to the anime fan translation, there is a line of dialogue, and I literally put this down, that says, the most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. Oh, yeah. That is it really like, And the way that she says it, she's so, like, so sultry. She's like, she's like trying to like get the people to come. She's like, come on, guys, believe me. Like, it's totally true. Everybody does it. <laughs> when I heard that, I thought to myself, I didn't think about her. I thought about there has to be some balding 50-year-old man who is writing that and then penned that down, put his pencil down, and said, you know what? That's exactly how college students oh, yeah. talk. Nailed it in one. Let's go to Applebee's. <laughs> well, the, they, I got two questions for them. First off, like, yeah. yo, do you hear the gym got a new waterbed? Like, why would a gym have a water? Like, what? Like, obviously, some guy doesn't want a waterbed, and it was like, uh, I don't know, like, gym expenses? Yeah, this is a good thing for the gym. We need this for the gym, and he's gonna, you know, take it home later after, you know, the semester's over, and people decide they don't need it, and then he'd take it. Like, that was clearly uh-huh. somebody trying to save money and just got the school to buy it for them. And then he got some good fucking on yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah, but like, mm-hmm. like I, I don't know. I, I haven't done it before, but like, I don't. Would would fucking on a waterbed be? I feel like it would be really awkward. I feel like the, like I don't know, like the momentum would work against you. As, like, the water kind of splishes and splashes. I don't think, I don't think I've ever even slept on a No, one. dude, it's kind of creepy. I, like, I don't know if it's, like, old Nightmare on Elm Street part four things, or maybe part five. Uh-huh. But, like, I, I I feel uncomfortable on them. It's scary. Wasn't there a Chucky movie, too, where someone got killed on a waterbed? Wouldn't surprise me. I yeah. feel like horror movies, when, when those things came out, people were like, put them in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's visually impressive, but, uh, yeah. No, anyway, uh, yeah. Waterbeds, yeah, weird. But but also, like, if there's any right. listeners out there who would like to provide some insights, you can definitely tweet at us, and that would be wonderful. Yeah. Wait, do we have a Twitter? Um, <laughs> do we have a Twitter? Uh, we do what? now. Oh, shit. Give me all five right, minutes. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, so that's that right there. We've got this wonderful, which is probably my third favorite thing in the movie. This wonderful college kid dialogue <laughs> that is just so. They had to have known what they were doing. But yeah, you'd hope. Uh huh. Like there's there's absolutely no way that they would not know that. Hey, this is totally not how college kids talk. But this is what we think they sound like. Again, it's that fifty balding year old man putting down his pen and saying, "Done it, got it, got the essence of this college kid." Or Done. or maybe they're just they're just really good at foreshadowing. They're like, "We're gonna have a waterbed scene later. We gotta we gotta let them know it's coming." Ooh. You know, yeah, it's like poetry. It you, rhymes. Everything comes full circle. You know, that's that's the check yeah, off done right there. They mention the waterbed and it comes yeah. right back. It's, it's just great screenwriting. We're fools. <laughs> Get on, Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> so then we meet my second favorite character in the entire movie, who is the professor um, Arthur Brown, who teaches anatomy. Um, he is the creepy professor of this college, and I love. The scene that occurs right after. So the college kids talk to him a little bit, and they basically make fun of him. Um, I think there's some dialogue in there about the, the waterbed girl says, "Ooh, I would like to have a piece of that" or something yeah, like that. So my question for you: Did, did you like? Yeah. So I couldn't tell. Like, were they like at first? I'm like, oh, they're making fun of this guy. That's kind of like mean and awkward, but like you know, a little rude. But then like they keep doing it later on throughout the movie, and I'm like, are they actually into him? Are they like? Are they like? As these two girls who are like, oh, like, yeah, they don't want to admit that they're into him, so they're kind of just like making fun of him, like, you should try it, no, you should try it, you know, you should try it, but they're like, both kind of into him? Because I feel like the joke I... continues for so long that it becomes not funny and just kind of awkward, and then you're kind of like, <laughs> is, is something going on? <laughs> I am the worst with flirting. I can never tell when someone is actually flirting with me. 
let alone I cannot tell when someone in a movie is flirting with someone else, especially if it's a dubbed, really badly written horror movie. Um, But yeah, I think they were trying to kind of play it off eventually as, well, now you're doubting me. Now I'm thinking to myself, now I'm going full circle. I'm thinking they tried to play it off as a joke. They were trying to make fun of him, but they just went way too long and way too awkward on us. I I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think we'll ever know. I think this is just going to be one of the great mysteries of the universe that we're never going to find out and we're never going to realize. I need to know. Yeah. So anyway, Arthur Brown, uh, all we need to know about the character is the very next scene where the Dean and the two detectives are sitting around and they're talking about him. And the Dean goes, yes, he's unmarried and lives with his mother. Ah, Arthur, good to see you. It's just like, okay, very subtle, guys. Very, very subtle. We've learned everything there is about this character immediately right here. We learn what the rest of the department thinks about her. This guy is obviously a red herring for being the killer. And I just felt bad for him. Like, I wanted to come in and give him a hug. Yeah. Well, actually... And... Okay, I don't remember... Did they ever... Did they ever have a discussion with him in the movie about him being gay? Or is that just in my head? They do, and it's at the end of the movie, and it is I know that we'll okay. get to it later because it is just the most. Ugh. I was just anyway, about that. Sorry, I was just like, movie. Um, no, it's okay. It's okay. That. It's good. They did. They did. You. you that was not okay, a fever dream. Um, I know this movie is hard on your psyche, but anyway, it was hard on my. <laughs> so, uh, we've got the two detectives. We've got Lieutenant Bracken. And Sergeant Holden, and they will not rest until this case of the Chainsaw Murders is solved. And they go on in, and they interview Arthur Brown for a little bit. And Arthur Brown decides to make good with the detectives. He's an anatomy professor. He's got some pretty cool stuff. And he decides, you know what, officers, I'm going to give you a little bit of a gift. And he pulls out the skull of a 16-year-old teenage girl. (laughs) And he says, hey, detectives... This is a present. I know you're investigating the murderers here at the school, and I suspect, and I know you suspect, that one of them is a staff member at the school. Here's a skull. Wait, no, no, no. He doesn't say. He doesn't say. Here's a skull. He says a student gave it to him as a present. Yes, but he's still showing yeah. them this skull and saying, "Yeah, I know. I, I might be a suspect for this murder, but here's a skull." Probably. It was a present. I promise. That's to get him off you. <laughs> you just you're like yeah. They're like, oh man, if I was a, if I was a killer, would I really show you this human skull I have? I'm like, oh shit, you're right. <laughs> you know. <sighs> yeah, I guess so that's a bold move, Cap. We'll I'm, see if I, it pays off that, later that, on. Man, if you ever commit a crime, if you like steal a bunch of money, and the police come, be like, no, no, guys, look at all this money I have. It wasn't me. I don't need to steal money. I have all this money <laughs> got it from a present. <laughs> it was all Bitcoin. I got this all from Bitcoin. <laughs> All right, so that's that right there. Um, and then we're introduced to a couple more dumb college kids in this part right here. And I, I believe this is the library oh, scene next. Oh, God. <laughs> Kendall, yeah. That was, uh... So tell me about the library scene. Uh, so so we're, we're in the library, and there's this... like, And I feel like in every any other movie, this guy would be like the nerdy character who gets killed off like on the side. Like He's uh-huh. like he's like the... Uh, he's like Laurie Strode's friend's boyfriend in the first Halloween movie. He gets like, you know, the, the ghost guy. Yeah. But for some reason, he's the star uh-huh. of this movie. And uh, he looks like, yeah. he reminds me of the boy from Happy Days. So in all my notes, uh-huh. I have random Happy Days guy. 
Um, so like he's, he's a, he, yeah, and he's just he's not very intimidating either. He's got got this dickless personality, but he's apparently a player because um, he's he apparently yeah. fucks every girl in school, and he uh, he gets yeah. a note from this girl while he's like you know doing his studying, I'm assuming, uh, and it says like uh-huh. hey you know meet me in the pool, and there's this really awkward dub where the goes like meet me in the pool and we'll have sex. Like it's this really like awkward uh-huh. voiceover, and he just kind of like she gets up and leaves, and he just kind of sits there, and he's like yeah. oh. It's just like, all right, fine. Cool. Um, and that, and then, and I believe then it jumps to her in the in the swimming pool immediately, right? Yes, and then she immediately takes off all her clothes, and we see one of the first instances, or not the first instance, but one of the numerous instances of boobage in this movie. Um, and the music, <laughs> straight out of a seventies oh, porno. It's wonderful. It is. It, it could not set the scene any better i really i honestly thought i'd stepped into a 70s porno theater at that point it it was great i looked over ron jeremy was there i looked to my right there was this guy with this sam elliott mustache and i was like yeah i'm home i'm home i'm right where i need to be um but once again it's a naked girl alone about to have sex in a horror movie what's gonna happen andrew i think she's gonna get out and be fine yeah, and then she's going to go, and she's going to achieve her law degree. She wants to be a veterinarian. Oh. Um, she's going to go do that. She's going to save lots of lives, pop out 2.5 kids, get a house with 1.3 cars. The half of the kid can drive the third of a car, and, you know, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful life for her. Nah! She gets chainsawed the fuck out of her. Wait, wait, but let's, let's um, rewind a little bit, though. What happens to her before yes. she gets chainsawed? I mean, she swims around naked. Did I miss something oh. in there? Was that, so, was that the part where I was talking so she about she around, Jeremy? And then uh, <laughs> the killer takes one of those, like, those little nets he used to, like, scoop poop out of the, oh out of, like, God, the, yes. the uh, swing pool and, like, gets around the head with it and pulls her all the way back. Because, <laughs> like... It's those tiny nets on her head. Because <laughs> like, you think, like, I was thinking, when I remember I was watching it, I was like, how is he going to get her? Like, he's not going to, like, weird gloved guy is not going to jump in the water. Like, what's going on? <laughs> and like, he's like... See out of the right side of the screen, though, like a little thing, like get her over the head, <laughs> pull her back, <laughs> and it's just like, rrr, rrr, rrr. it's like the butterfly net in Zelda. Yeah. You're just kind of trying to catch. It's just like, oh god. So yeah, he uh, drags her over with the pool skimmer all the way over to the edge of the pool, and I think I think he lifts yeah, her. Yeah, he, he pulls her out, and then he chains like, her. Like, does she pass out? I can't remember. Like, it seems kind of like a weird transition. Yeah, no, I, I do distinctly remember one scene where she's kind of leaning up against the pillar and then her eyes kind of flutter open like, oh, God, where am I? Oh, that's right. I'm getting murdered. Well, see you later. And, and like at um, some point in that scene, he gets um, our buddy Kendall gets like un- another letter from uh, like some other kid kind of comes and finds Kendall in the library because apparently he never left. And mm-hmm. gives him another note. I think it like it's from her. I never quite understood what was going on, but I think it was like another note saying like, "Oh, don't come," which I think was theoretically uh-huh. like from the killer or something. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's not uh, he's not a young, attractive woman, so obviously the killer does not care. I mean, he doesn't have any puzzle pieces of naked Kendall, well, so you know, we don't know that yeah, we know of. On. Part two, you know, there, there, there's always room for a sequel. I mean, a Blade Runner could get a sequel. This could <laughs> oh, get a sequel God. too. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's that. Um, and this is the part that's interesting because the detectives, they noticed that all of the girl's body parts are still there except for her torso. 
Well, no, no, remember the detectives don't notice that. They uh, they call over Doctor Brown, <laughs> the anatomy teacher. He, he comes. This is the thing that's like comes in, like puts his hand on top of the chainsaw, and it's like, hmm. And they just, like watch him, like, what do you think about this? Could it, like could that chainsaw cut up this body? And they're like, well, it's covered in blood, and the body's next to it. Did, did, can an anatomy professor tell you that? Yeah. Like that, that's not forensics. Those are two different things. No, she spontaneously combusted, or she fell apart like a, uh, I don't know, like a Ford Pinto. Um, yeah, <laughs> God. yeah. I, I, I just again, no one knows what to do with evidence in the movie. They're touching it, they're playing with it, they're moving around it. No one can connect the dots. It's wonderful. It's absolutely amazing. And thank God, like you said, the anatomy professor is there to realize, hey. The biggest part of the human body that's missing. By God, you're right. Oh, and actually, before that, we we do get a scene of the killer uh, dragging the body into a freezer with the head. Um, and I yes. and then at one point, I believe the um, the groundskeeper, groundskeeper Billy, whatever we want to call him, um, uh-huh. he he I can't remember if he finds he finds the chainsaw, I think, or he finds a, he finds or he finds the body. I can't remember, but he's he basically Kendall goes finally to go find this girl because he's like I, I guess I've given her like three hours to wait in the pool, and he he likes some pruny, so yes. he goes. Goes to check it out, and the uh, groundskeeper, I believe, finds the chainsaw and like freaks out and goes to leave. Mm-hmm. And we get this great Scooby Doo scene of like Kendall runs out, and then <laughs> the happy uh, the uh, groundskeeper follows him. And he opens the door, and there's like two policemen uh-huh. there, and this like fight ensues, and like somebody has like a wo- plank uh-huh. of wood, and like Kendall's running around them. It's like no weird. I just expecting some like weird. <laughs> they go into separate music. doors. They come out of other doors. You know, at one point they decide to split up and you know set a trap, and it's just uh, um, chainsaw guy. His name is Willard. Willard? And I love does that. He, does he have rats Willard. that he sends out on people? Is he Christian Glover? Christian Glover? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, there's no last name. His character's name is just Willard. Um, and this is where I'm going to do my little trivia right. right there. Paul Lawrence mm-hmm. Smith is Chainsaw Guy's, um, or Willard's mm-hmm. actor. He was Bluto in the live action Robert Williams pop movie. Jesus. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. No. He's great, and he really he acts the hell out of this performance. He's very angry. He does not go down without a fight when he eventually gets taken in, and I love him. He is he is my favorite character in this movie because he just wants to do his job. He just wants to chainsaw shit in peace, but murderers are rampaging around, giving him, you know, making him out to be a false suspect, and the dean is riding his ass about getting the chainsawing done on time, and he probably just wants to go home and... I would say see his wife and kids, but probably not knowing him. Willard's just not that type of guy. So he's probably going to go home, open up a Sears catalog, run to the lingerie section, and then, you know, take it from there. I'll let you infer the rest. I had a puzzle. But yeah. I mean, yeah. it's much easier. Just put the puzzle together. And, <laughs> you know? Just do all that right there. Anyway, um, so we are down to including the mother three victims so far two of them at the college one of them back during world war ii and at this point uh dr jennings who is the dean i believe uh, god damn it wikipedia summary let's call him the dean dr jennings it's oh. not the dean who's dr jennings i don't know who what dr you, jennings you... is the next day dr jennings meets with kendall at the station and hopes that kendall can provide a profile of the what? murderer are you reading the Wikipedia summary? I don't, I don't know what I call this. I don't know what you're talking about. 
I, I'm literally reading the Wikipedia summary right now. I don't remember this scene at all. But apparently, anyway, I do remember the next scene. Bracken brings in an undercover cop who is our next big character of the movie, who is Mary Riggs, who is also apparently a former professional tennis oh. player. Oh, the, the actresses? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, oh, 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 no okay, the character, yes, the yes, character yes, yes. is. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Which I, so we've got I, I just didn't understand that. Like, mm-hmm. So was she a former tennis player who became a cop? Or was she, or is she just a former tennis player who they hired because she's an adult and they can legally make her work? It's she, as far as I, dude, I, <laughs> fuck, I don't okay. know. Um, I, I, I assumed when I saw this movie that um, she was a former tennis player who became a cop, and I don't understand why tennis. Well, I mean, that was part of her cover. She would come on over to be a tennis instructor at the college, and that's that's why they brought her in. But it's just why, why this this movie makes no sense. Well, you know why. Um, <laughs> Kendall needs to have some sexual tension with somebody, and clearly it needs to be with a woman who's probably twice his age. Listen, Kendall has so much sexual tension with every single female at the school. It's coming. No, it's not even just. Years. It's not just the females. Like, he charms those cops. Those cops love him. <laughs> Bracken with his Sam Elliott voice. Oh, wonderful! Oh, actually, speaking of charming. Um, um, so did you see that yes. scene? So there's a scene between uh, Kendall and uh, his weird, like, I, I don't want to say pizza face buddy, but that's kind of how I'm going to describe him. Um, and it, it's like, explaining mm-hmm. kind of what Kendall's talking about. Like, it, I think it's on his way to go meet them, to go meet the cops. And he's like, talking mm-hmm. with them and he's like, man, where were you? Why weren't you at the pool? And he's like, I was fucking some other girl. So like somehow between classic like, Kendall, in that scene, we, ha- we have the scene of him in, in the library. He gets the message from the girl saying, meet me in the, be- meet me in the swimming pool to go fuck. And he somehow finds somebody uh-huh. else, has sex with her, and then goes back to the library where the kid meets him and gives him that note. This is like in the span of like... I, I don't know how long it takes him to kill her. But like, but, but he says, he's, he's like, I'm not going to tell them because they'll know that I was fucking this other girl. But it's like, buddy, uh-huh. that's an alibi. You have somebody who can confirm where you were at that time. Everybody knows yeah. you fuck everybody. I mean, he... <laughs> I don't think he was ever under suspicion, though, because he doesn't have a chainsaw. So sure. there we go. Um, <laughs> so we got that right there. So we've got this undercover cop who is now a tennis instructor at the school trying to find out who our mystery stranger chainsaw guy is. Um, then we get to, and I believe I'm not missing anything right here, we get to our third college yeah. kill of the movie. That's cancer. Cool. And that, Dance girl. So this is the part where I can really tell that the movie was set in the '80s because they're all in their leotards and feet warmers and just doing their own dance routine, the cake push. That sort was of like thing. ten minutes long. That took forever. I was, yeah. I was just, I'm like, oh my God, can, yeah. can we move on? Is something going to happen here? That seems like died, fall over. <laughs> and then there was the false scene too. There was the false kill where like she's walking through the dark hallways in the basements, and then you're expecting the killer to jump out at her, and then bam, no, it's a friend. Oh, you scared me so much, bam. And then it continues and it keeps going, and then finally we get to the <laughs> elevator, which is my favorite kill of the oh whole dude, movie. That that was hilarious. <laughs> so she. And our stranger, Trenchcoat Fedora Killer, are in the elevator. And they're kind of looking back and forth at each other. She's a little bit nervous, but she's just like, all right, fine. You know, probably lots of people wear the trench coats. And all of a sudden, she goes back and forth. And then 
she screams. And from his trench coat, he pulls out our bloody chainsaw. Oh, no. Like, what's even better about that is we see him get into it, and we just see him, he just holds it behind his back. We see him, like, closing the door behind him with it. It's like, the chain, like, the blade's sticking out from behind his back. And, like, he's, he's not hiding it. Like, she should immediately see what's going on. <laughs> and she's like... Nothing to see here, folks. Just a chainsaw, dude. What, oh, God. Well, I love it, too, because, like, because, you know, like, as he puts the pieces together, he puts the pieces which he's going to take. So he puts the arms on which uh-huh. he wants her arms. And when he pulls the chains out, yeah. she like just sticks her arm out as if she's just like waiting. For, and he just like kind of just like no! taps it. He's like like kind of like just kind of jigs up the chainsaw, and the arm just like flies off. It's <laughs> like great, great. Maybe she thought he was a black bear, and if she could, if he no, it's a grizzly bear. If she could make herself bigger, then he would he would be scared oh, and be run it. away. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's something going on right there. I don't know. I don't know. But yes, absolutely. Um... Yeah, that was hilarious. It's an absolutely hilarious kill. The chainsaw is just like, seriously, lady, you're in an elevator with a guy and you have no see the chainsaw. You know who would have to deal with this shit? Kendall. Mm. Kendall would have had to deal with that shit. God damn it. My yeah, boy Kendall. We, we, gotta, we gotta love and Speaking of Kendall, we, we joined Kendall. Yes. Uh, he had just had sex with some mm-hmm. girl. Uh, we don't know if he's in her apartment. Yes, Kendall is after you. Or, do. you know, his. We don't know if it's her apartment, his. Mm-hmm. But he looks out the window yeah. and he sees our undercover detective moseying around at night. Okay, no. And just... Let's pause that? for a second. We see his oh. penis. That's four battling. Continue. <laughs> oh, one, one great foreshadowing. Um, and he, he looks out the window. He, see, he sees our uh, our uh, tennis instructor. And I don't know what he says to this woman, but he just goes outside. <laughs> He's, he just is like, I'm out. Because he sees his true bay yeah. outside. And... Kendall got a jet. Kendall got more girls to have sex with, as Kendall is mm-hmm. apt to do. Uh-huh. I'll give you some money for a taxi. Bam. <laughs> but it's my apartment. I'll give you some money for well, a taxi. I, I was ashamed because I kept trying to find out, too, like, if she was one of the girls who gets killed later. Um, but I, I don't think so. Because uh-huh. I, at first I thought maybe he, she was the next kill. You know, he leaves her and then she goes. But nope, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, no, that's that's. But then we get our movie. best scene. Anyway. All right, okay, our other best scene. One of, one of our many best scenes. <laughs> who has a lot of great best scenes? No, I, I, I'd say the elevator is the best Okay, best kill. kill. But this is definitely so, the best thing. Um, so we, we, you know, we join our uh, our tennis teacher, and we, you know, we're getting that kind of dark, kind of you know, scary vibe as she's walking through this like kind of stony part of um, of the campus. And goes into these these arches, and you're like, "Ooh, this is prime time for the killer to attack." Um, but instead, we get this random Asian guy, and he just starts. He's wearing a jumpsuit, and he just starts kicking and yelling and screaming and punching. Like, doing all these karate moves, doing all these, like, uh, kata, whatever you call them. And he, then he just passes out. Just falls <laughs> mid-swing. Like, she's flipping out, uh, and he just falls to the ground. Um, and then Kendall, you know, moses up on his moped uh, and kind of pulls up next to her. And, you know, she's freaking out. She's like, what's going on? And he's like, oh. Oh, that, that, that's my kung fu professor. And he just, like, gets up. And just, he, I even wrote down the line. He's like, oh. I'm out jogging. Next thing I know, I'm on. I'm on ground. Must have been bad chop suey. Ha ha. See you around. And just runs away. <laughs> like, just like, and it's never explained. Like, I don't know what was going. Like, was that in the script? Was it just like, hey, we have this guy here? Like, I actually, I did do a okay. little bit of research. That was literally <laughs> it. They had the guy for a day, and they quickly wrote the scene in. Um, his name, the actor's name, 
is Bruce Lee. What? B-R-U-C-E-L-E. Bruce Lee? Just one E. Um, he has starred in several low-budget kung fu movies before, um, and I don't know how he got involved in this one, but apparently they only had him for one day, and they, by God, were going to write him in this scene. And this was one of the two moments in the movie that's just like, it was hilarious how random it was, but it was just like, Jesus, guys, one Haha, ha, bad chop suey, random kung fu guy. Like, I I don't know, just, I, I understand it was 1982 and everything like that, but this is the one, to, the two movie, uh, moments in the movie that was just like, okay, guys, let's be a little more politically correct mm. here. But at the same time, it just, I don't know, it adds to the surrealness of the movie. It adds to just how disjointed and how hilariously badly written this whole thing is. And also, Kendall has a kung um, fu professor? Why do we never see him pulling other sick moves out? Exactly. You know, that there must have been a cutscene from the ending because they really, they, they laid the Chekhov's gun yeah. right there. And we never got that payoff. And I'm going to have to knock this movie down a point for that. So now and it's also, a nine. Actually, that, that reminds um, me, were you confused? Like, when I was watching the movie, I kept trying to figure out, like, are they actually in college? Are they in high school? Like, because Kendall seems kind of young compared to the other people. And, like, the way they treat the, the, way they treat they the students and, like, the, the way the school kind of looks when we kind of see the inner school scenes, it looks like a high school. Mm-hmm. But they're definitely in college. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a dean, and then there's also an anatomy professor. I don't know about you, but I never was offered an anatomy class back in high school, especially not one who had skulls of teenage girls oh, lying around. What, but what school did you guys That's just me. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was raised in rural Illinois. It was, you know, I had one black kid in my entire graduating class. It was, my graduating class was like 200 Damn. people. Wait, is that, that was true? Mm-hmm. So, is that, oh, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're yeah. from Illinois? Wait, yeah. I know that, Chicago. I'm Illinois. Idiot. Okay, those are the same place. Yeah, yeah. No, I was raised in rural Illinois. My, 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 I literally, like, it was a small farming community of about 5,000 people, and for 30 minutes in every which direction was a sea of corn. Yeah, yeah. Delicious. Yeah. I got the hell out of there as oh, fast as I could. But, <laughs> All right. anyway. So, we're going for there right there. Um, I think... Oh. So that, that's when the waterbed attack happens next, right? I think the tennis thing happens before that. Um, in my notes, I have water, water waterbed scene. death attack. That's what I wrote down. Okay, let's do waterbed okay. attack. Because yeah, I think because I think they're walking. Because I think I think that's the thing is the fake out. There's the fake out with the kung fu professor, and then it hops over to the waterbed actually happening. Yes, you're right. According to Wikipedia, thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah. So uh, so I, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any, like, preamble to this. Isn't it literally just we just kind of see the girl hop on the waterbed and then the killer just appears and stabs her to death? I'm pretty sure that's all that yep. happens. Like, That's pretty sure that's all that happens. But they paid they, it off. They set up the waterbed. They did. And it was beautiful. But there was no pot on there. So they only about halfway to the set that up right there. But they did establish that this school does have a waterbed and it is in the gymnasium. So we are confused by saying, why is there a waterbed here? Well, I mean, we are confused by saying, why is there a waterbed here? But for an entirely different reason if they did not set that up right. beforehand. So I'm very, very proud of um, our director you know for what that else one. I'm, I'm confused Great about? Great job. Have a cookie. Um, so, yeah. well, I mean, besides know, everything. Yeah, besides every other thing happened <laughs> about in the movie. About this goddamn movie. <laughs> Kendall, uh, in another great scene, Kendall, you know, Kendall drops his, like, after that we go back to Kendall dropping off uh, the teacher. And, you know, I, I kind of assume, like, oh, he totally has the hots for her. It's kind of awkward because she's obviously, like, an older mm-hmm. woman. Um, 
And yeah. he tries one of the best lines, which is that kind of last foot in the door, trying to you know get your way in. Do you know what that line was? Mm-hmm. He asks Don't her, remember. he goes, "Aren't you making coffee?" And she's like, "No." And he's like, closes the door, on and it's like it's like his last like trying to get in there. With her. He's like, "Oh, well, oh, want to make some coffee together? I want to stay up together." And she's just like, "Fuck no!" And like, closes the door, and it's like so smooth, so smooth. Boy, Ken- boy, I don't play around with you. Kendall's anymore. lines are so great. Uh, yeah, he's 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 our Kendall. Um, so anyway, yeah, so we got a little waterbed scene right there, and I mean it's a beautiful yeah. kill. It looks really cool, you know, with the water splashing around and mixing with the blood yeah, and everything nice. like that. And yeah, you know, in, in terms of like how aesthetically pleasing these murders are in the movie, that is definitely one of the top oh. ones. Um. So we go on in, and there's a couple scenes where we see this undercover cop playing tennis and actually teaching the instructors. And um, I don't know if you could tell this, but apparently no one in this movie knew how to play tennis oh, I before tell. the film started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It is... That was painful to watch. Yeah, there's... There's 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 a lot of imagination going on right there, and then I have in my notes at this part right there that someone says the line, "You'll be playing so much tennis, it'll be coming out of your ears." I feel like I recall that line. Does that what the dean says to her? Possibly, or one of the detectives, <laughs> one of the two. And I was just like, okay. And I want to see like, does he use that phrase for everything? <laughs> You'll be studying so much math that's coming out of your ears. You've been running so many miles, it'll be coming out of your ears. You'll be... You so many teenage skulls. Uh, investigating out of your ears. chainsaw mowers. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that was how we, that's how we hired that guy. He was like, I don't know if I want to join... I want to be your anatomy professor. He's like, don't worry. There's some benefits. He's like, oh, yeah? Severance package? No, no, no. Skulls. So many skulls. They're coming skulls. out of your ears. So many skulls. <laughs> Are they 16-year-olds? They're coming out of their ears, too. Skulls on skulls. Skullception. <laughs> Uh, and then I also have another thing, too, where um, uh, I believe it's the Dean, which makes sense, but um, he's talking to the detectives, and the detectives are saying, oh, you know, there's been more murders that are happening on your campus. We really need to take note of this and figure this shit out. And the Dean at one point goes, oh, these murders, student imagination knows no <laughs> bounds. <laughs> Dude. They have bodies <laughs> and evidence. It's been tampered with by Arthur and everyone else in the entire place. But yeah, it's pretty clear cut. This isn't something you can just stick your head in. But we'll come back to that later with our big twist. We don't wanna we don't wanna spoil it too early. Um So yeah, so we got that right there, and then we're kinda pretty much No, we mm-hmm. have one more kill and then we're at the climax yeah. of the movie. Um, so plot twist, plot twist, music starts turning on, on the college campus and Willard comes on up and he's like, what the hell is going on? And our friend Kendall comes on over to Willard and says, who's testing the music? And Willard goes, not me. (laughs) And then Kendall goes, I thought that was your job. And Willard goes, dude, I just chainsaw shit. And by shit, I mean shrubbery. Okay? I have no control over the sound system. Uh, 
So anyway, while all this is going on, they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on with the sound system. Um, our masked stranger chainsaw killer decides to take this time to take another life. Um, this one was in the shower, yep. I believe, right? Yeah, this he goes into the girls' locker room. There's this girl cleaning up from her tennis match, I assume, if yeah. I remember correctly. And just chainsaws her stomach. And we got a great shot of some pig intestines coming out. And then she's a pile of pieces on the yeah, floor. I was wondering about um, this. Like, this is kind of just like a general thing. Did he need to get all these different pieces? Like, did he have that good of a memory of what his mother's body looks like? Because he, like... Cuts this girl like the first girl. Girl he got the torso from. He kept like basically everything except for her legs and her arms and her head. This girl he cuts mm-hmm. off like mid waist, like above her belly button. Like these parts don't yeah. match up. Why don't she use a whole no, body? They don't. What, what, what? You know what? The whole movie we can toss it right out the window. This is this is this is this is the one plot hole that we <laughs> can find, and this other oh, bulletproof yeah. plot. Um. <laughs> oh. God, I think I'm going to near the end here. Um, so we've got this right here, and we got one more kill. They finally shut the music off, and we discover our last body of the entire... Well, second to last body of the entire movie. And Linda Day, as Mary Riggs, gives her Oscar-winning performance as she discovers the body. Would you like to give us a rendition? Oh, God, I really do, but my neighbors oh, are sleeping. Right. Um... I, I, I'm gonna do my NPR yeah. voice right now, and this is this is this is the NPR voice, and this is a direct impression. I am going to portray Mary Riggs when she discovers that she there's another body on campus. <gasps> bastards, bastards, bastards! And then there's a five second pause. Bastards! Oh yeah, yeah. That's how it goes. It's 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 beautiful because like much like the jazzercise and the tennis match earlier, you're just waiting for it to stop, and it doesn't. You're just, it just it's like the return of the king. It and just keeps going on. You're like, is that is is it over? And nope, just come keeps keeps ending. Keeps ending. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if you search pieces 1982 on YouTube, one of the scenes. Yep, the fifth result is Linda Day George bastard pieces. I'm going to go ahead and edit this clip Please in there do. later on when I'm editing this podcast, but there we go right there. You see it? Yes! While we were out here fumbling with that music, the lousy bastard was in there killing her! Bastard! Anyway, so we've got that right there, and this time shit is getting real. They are they 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 cannot take this anymore. Murderers need to be stopped. Chainsawing is bad. Drink your milk. Go to school. All mm. of that good stuff right there. Um, and Mary is not feeling safe. She's not feeling safe at all, which is weird because she's a cop, but she's not feeling safe at all. But thankfully, the dean comes on over, and the dean says. Oh, don't worry. I'll take you. We can head to my place, and I'll keep you safe there. Um, I believe that was well, the I think, reason, Well, right? I think before that, she says she's not feeling safe to get close to Dr. Brown because she thinks that he's the killer. And uh, then I think that's, that's when we right. get the, the gay line, where he's like, 
Where he's like, oh, I'm gay. Yeah. She's like, oh, well, you're no longer, you're no longer interesting. <laughs> like, you're not, you're not the killer. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I did remember that. At one point, um, they're talking to each other and someone says, oh, by the way, Arthur Brown, he is a homosexual. And it's like, whoops, well, he can't be the killer. Gay people can't be killers. And it's just like, Well, actually, what? Which, I, which I find really interesting what? because have you ever, um, uh, what is it called? Have you ever, uh, heard of like queer theory? So uh, like, well, that owns this isn't exactly queer theory, but basically, um, and kind of as it applies to horror mm-hmm. movies, there's a book by Lee Edelman called No Future, which talks about as slasher movies and horror movies as being viewed or kind of coded as queer, um, which kind of becomes mm-hmm. like which is very kind of heavily hint or not hinted at, but shown in like the Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. movies, where like you know they they use your characters who um, are are others, they are not reproductive, they don't they don't have any future in terms of mm-hmm. like they don't do anything that furthers any goal for them necessarily. Most of them just they like, kill and kind mm-hmm. of kill people's futurity so they kind of viewed as this like mm-hmm. other which kind of corresponds to gay in the and kind of like how they frame it basically and so, so a lot of killers are, are, are viewed as either uh-huh. like asexual or, or homosexual depending on kind of uh, what mm-hmm. role they play in, and there's kind of like a the book is basically about like how these characters are coded that way and how a lot of the villains are coded gotcha. that way or um or transphobic like in sleepaway yeah, yeah. So, well, like yeah. just like just like not not contributing to society, and that's kind of occupying that role and that fear, that kind of homophobia that's going on, mm-hmm. and embodying that fear of the other. Um, and so, I found it really interesting when this movie where they did that as a as a way of outing, like as a way of like ruling him out as a character. Where I feel like during that time, a lot of the characters being gay could be one of the reasons why they were the killer at that time. Like in terms of like the way mm-hmm. that those films were made and the way that they kind of the shit they pulled it was kind of like, oh, he's gay, so obviously he's disturbed, and da 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 da, you know. Like, they kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like, um, what's his name? The guy from Psycho and stuff, they're kind of coded as characters who, who aren't necessarily, Bates, yeah. mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of your typical heterosexual mm-hmm. male. Um, and, like, like yeah. Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. and those kind of characters all kind of fall into that category. Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting. And, yeah, and I'm thinking societal, too. You know, back in the 80s and back in the 70s, 80s was... You know, this movie was made in 82, and the slasher movies that we were referring to were a lot further, especially Psycho, that was back in the 60s. And, you know, how did society think of those who were solemn homosexual? And, you know, what reputation did they have in the community? And, you know, people did genuinely, they did not understand, and that made a lot of people very uncomfortable. So that's interesting. I'll have to take a look at that. That's, that'd be right up my brother's yeah, alley. Really I'd have to okay. ask so, him about that. That book I, mm-hmm. that book I read about it was called No Future by Lee Edelman. It was really good. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. Um, yeah, so anyway, so we got that kind of hand-waved away that's, oh, Arthur's gay, he can't be the murderer, which, uh, God, you got me thinking now. That's a good... Well, it, it, think about it, too, because a film that's very similar to uh-huh. this, or the, the villain, like Buffalo Bill from um, Sounds of the Lambs, is, like, you know, he ha- yeah. in the end has basically the same motivation. And we never especially know yeah. if he's gay or not. We, we know that he uh, is transgender. But we don't necessarily know if he, uh-huh. how he identifies in that way. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. no, I'm thinking. I mean, going back to Sleepaway Camp, there's there's a lot of transphobia in horror movies. But yeah, this is okay. Oh no, interesting. That, it's interesting to parallel that. Like, uh-huh. that in this one, that rules him out. Yeah. While in, uh, I would say, in Sounds of Lambs, it is one of those cases where they kind of use that against him as a character. They 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 use that mm-hmm. like, that's part exactly, of his villain, yeah. which is which is again mm-hmm. it's problematic. Yeah. It's it's. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a bad thing. You know, we are very pro LGBT here, but yeah, that's interesting. All right, um, 
So we've got that right there, and we're moving on over, and then we get to the climax of the movie. Mary is at the Dean's apartment, and the Dean keeps saying, oh, would you like some tea, or was it coffee, or something like that? I don't know. One of the two. Um, and, of course, the Dean drugs it, and plot twist, the Dean has been chainsaw uh, killer. Not chainsaw killer, Dean. And... Not, 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 not him, not him. That old nasty Dean. Um, so at this point of the movie, uh, he goes on over and starts closely looking at Mary's feet and saying, "Oh, this, this, this will be perfect for my masterpiece and all of that stuff right there." But then John Belushi comes in with the rest <sighs> of Animal House, and they get him and they save the day, and then they drive off on the sunset. And then we get a close-up of Kendall, and they say that Kendall, some say Kendall is still having sex till this day, in bright yellows, letters at the bottom. Willard, we have Willard right there, and they say that Willard found a lovely woman, and they are living a very happy life, chainsawing down trees in the woods right now. Um, Arthur, we go into Arthur, and they still, they basically zoom in on him with a whole bunch of skulls sitting behind him and they say that he has graduated on to adult skulls and no longer uh-huh. teenage skulls and it's just this big happy ending <laughs> uh no so <laughs> we have the dean drugs I, I up speaking of that drug just, just to interrupt for a second mm-hmm. did you feel like that drugging like just kind of like everything else was just a really long ass process because like it wasn't like yes. it wasn't like a dramatic oh reveal he's the killer it was like literally like huh what's the dean up to and we just cut to him like Putting the putting the stuff into the tea, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And then he gives it to her. He's like, "Why don't you drink it?" She's like, "Oh, okay." She drinks it. And then he's like, "What?" What? No, it's not only that. It's she like refuses at first, doesn't she? She's like, "No, I'm fine." Oh, please, I insist. Okay. And then she sits down on the couch, and then he's just like, "Okay, come on, please drink your tea." And she's just like, "Okay, I'll just a little sip." God, stop being but, pushy but then, about it. Doesn't she down just... it? And then he goes and does it again. I feel like we get two scenes of him drugging the tea. I think when, yeah. <laughs> we're just like, what the hell? Like, movie, you guys could have cut, like, a good, like, five minutes out of your runtime just by being like, he drugs it yeah. once, and it works. Like, oh like my you could have had discussion, you could have developed characters more, but no, no. We had to see him drug the tea twice, and, like, we could have just assumed that he did it twice. You didn't need to show that. <laughs> okay. So, doing doing my research, I realized there is a reason why Kung Fu Guy was in this movie and there's probably a reason why all of these scenes feel so extended. I remember distinctly reading somewhere online, um, either in my Wikipedia summaries or just YouTube videos or something like that, where someone said that the runtime was too short and they needed to fill about 15 extra minutes. And that makes perfect <laughs> sense. Because there's so many scenes in there. It's just so drawn out. It's So, like, uh, so what you're telling me yeah. is that the second T was actually the second take they did. And they were like... Put it in. <laughs> he does it twice. Which one should we do? Yes. What? Yes. Both of them. Probably just okay. like the tennis scene. Because like ten- I feel like in that tennis scene, like, sometimes I was like, are they just replaying the same footage? Because it just like, it looked like they're doing the same thing over and over again. So I, I, at one point I just assumed they were just recycling the footage, but maybe they were just different takes that they just like decided to put in there. Because <laughs> they're, they're always, they're always, I feel like they're always resetting to the same point. Like, no, there's never a back and forth. We saw one person hit it and then it cut to the next person. Like, it, we never saw like uh-huh. a full back yeah. and forth, like zoomed out. Gosh. Yeah. Um that makes perfect sense. This is this is a movie super stretched out in some scenes. So we've got this right there. Um and at this point the detectives realize that something's going up with the dean. They realize that he changed his name earlier on in his career and he is secretly Timmy from the very mm-hmm. beginning of the movie who brutally murdered his mother. 
So the detectives, of course, Kendall. And Kendall, because of course he has to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Kendall's a police dog. Him. I mean, he. Yeah, he puts on his pants um, after being done with the last girl he hasn't had sex with in this college, and then he realizes, oh shit, if Mary dies, I'm not going to have the chance to have sex with her. So he joins them as well, and there's this dialogue back and forth where Brackett is just like, stay back, kid. You can't handle this. And Kendall's like, I have to. It's my what? destiny. And he's just like, okay, fine. You stay back. I don't uh, think he actually says destiny, but that's it. the impression I got. Um, so yeah, Kendall is being Kendall, and they knock down the door, and Mary is paralyzed on the couch, and the dean dear old Timmy is nowhere to be seen. And the detectives say, all right, well, he's our murderer. Let's get out of here. Didn't no, no, they the they go to search, I think. Don't even look around. Yeah. Oh, okay, they do? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, they don't do a very no. good job of it. Because <laughs> there's about five different cuts where they zoom in on Kendall and Mary Kendall helping Mary up from the couch and then they zoom in on the curtains and then they zoom in again on Kendall and Mary and then they zoom in on the curtains and then they can zoom in on Kendall and Mary and they just go back and forth five or six times and just like, okay guys, we get it the Dean is behind the curtain I played hide and seek as a kid I know what I'm about, son (laughs) so uh, Dean comes on out attacks both of them Bracken comes in, takes a wonderful shot. Headshot, Dean is dead. Murder is done. But wait. We have our M. Night Shyamalan plot twist at the very end. Andrew, the title of this film is called Pieces. Mm-hmm. How does that factor into the plot besides the naked Well, pieces? actually, even, even before that, so I'll, I'll set the scene for you. So, you know, after Kendall could not spy a person uh, hiding in the... Um, you know, the currents, and after the guy gets shot, and because the police need, you know, love the love term dick for, you know, an old police, an old cop, they're like, yo, Kendall, you seem to have a lot of dick. Want to join the cops? Want to, like, want to be a detective? And he's like, you know, I would like that, and apparently have qualifications for that. And There's a lot of police women I haven't had Exactly, you know, he, 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 needs get it, he needs to get involved in this. And so, uh, but then the police officer, I guess, uh-huh. puts his hand on, like, a bookshelf, and it's one of those Batman bookshelves, and it kind of swings in, and a a corpse uh, composed of the other pieces of the uh-huh. bodies, which apparently he pulled out of the freezer and stitched together, uh, yeah. falls onto Kendall. And, you know, rather than kind of roll with it, he just kind of lets it fall on him. Um, and he yeah. is, uh, you know, he's down and they have a little, they freak out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because he gets right back up and then they all go and then they talk about, okay, Kendall, you're going to do a great job on the force. And Kendall's just like, yeah, absolutely. And my dick has a wonderful future ahead of it. It's going to have sex with so mm-hmm. many women. Oh, wait, I forgot my coat. And he goes on back. And Andrew, Well, then, then the the right arm of the corpse puppet thing uh, lifts up. <laughs> and we've previously established this is body, body parts. parts that have been put together. This mm-hmm. is a and, and the body parts have spent a significant amount, like, not even like, you know, they were cut off and immediately grafted onto a body. They have spent a significant amount of time away from their bodies. Um, uh-huh. And this hand first just kind of grabs this crotch and immediately just the fingers just dig in. You see kind of blood coming out. And you're like, all right, you know, it's going to scratch his dick maybe. Like, you know, not, that's going to happen. And then it just kind of 
rakes itself down and squeezes, and you just see like splurts of blood come out of the side. And you you learn the tragedy of this. And the true reason why the film is called Pieces is because that is the state that Kendall's dick is currently in. <laughs> because he flew too he close to the sun. Yep. That's what he did. That's exactly what Kendall did. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one thing the corpse is missing. And what a way to close it. Aside from feet. Oh, God. <laughs> it won its last piece. Oh, God. So... That was a perfect note to end that. That was pieces. Andrew, what did I you loved think? It. Of like pieces? I was like, I'm not gonna lie. I like <laughs> I watched a pretty bad YouTube version of it, and I'm slightly considering seeing if I can find like a digital copy in high quality and just like keeping it around. And I, I feel like it's gonna put on at parties, maybe. Yeah. Now this is definitely a gather your friends around, laugh at the ridiculous of the movie. Basically, just. A horror movie, Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie. This is where you make fun of everything. You laugh at how absurd it is. You pause for a second and go, what the fuck? Okay, let's take a moment to sort out exactly what's happening here before we move on because my brain can't take it. And like, yeah. How would you rate it's... it on like, the, the bad good movies? Because like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go like with The Room or with like Troll for me because like, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's like a very good, bad Friday the 13th like, part 14 sequel, I feel like. Like yeah. nothing's amazing about it, yeah. but like something just draws you in. Yeah, it's it honestly the aesthetic and the way it made me feel reminded me a lot of Sleepaway Camp, and like I knew it was bad, but I was enjoying the hell out mm-hmm. of it anyway. Um, and. Even, like, the little things here and there, like, the little comments about, you know, oh, Arthur, he's a homosexual. Well, as long as he doesn't break any rules, like, it's it's so bad. But at the same time, it's... In terms of how I would rate it, I would say it's a pretty middle-of-the-road bad horror movie. Like, again, I would watch it at parties. I would make fun of it. I don't think I'm ever going to see it again, though, unless it's in a group no, of people. I, I feel like it would be a great film to, like, kind of like Sleepaway Camp in the sense of, like, I would just want to watch it and then just, for the last, like, five minutes, just watch the people watching it and just be like, mm-hmm. do you know it's coming? <laughs> <laughs> like, just see how they react to that end. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, exactly. Because that end came out of nowhere. Like, okay. So if there was a sequel to Pieces, um, obviously it would take on a Frankenstein sort of thing. Um, going on right there and I just I I want it to be this heartwarming tale of this corpse Frankenstein corpse just learning how to find her way in the world like you know she gets involved in some sort of advertising agency her boss is Meryl Streep and she gets down all the time she meets this real hotshot lawyer guy who has a heart of gold but she's a strong independent woman who don't need no man so she's got to balance back and forth like that like that's the sequel to Pieces you know, and then and like a side story would be Kendall kind of pursuing her like almost as like you know but not knowing that she's changed for the best and so like it, it ends up in this kind of big fight like you know we kind of see him going through we see him kind of that that person who has been wrong in the past and is driven to go kill people. Maybe he starts taking people's pieces of people's dicks as he goes around, you know, trying to recreate his thing. And the end, he kind of come, he comes up uh, to her, and, the, and they and they realize like they're both missing something, and they 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 come together. And then with that, they they connect the missing pieces. Exactly, of their and hearts. They, they help each other through this. You know, <laughs> she's like, I didn't want to be this way. And he's like, I didn't want to be this way either. It wasn't your fault. You were, you know, so you can't you can't help with society made you. And then 
It's it's a great heartwarming story. <laughs> you know, and you know, yeah. you know they'd call it. All right. Piece together. Yep. You know. Got it in one. All right. Cool. Well, I will call up uh, Picaro Simon, and we will get that started. I mean, a Blade Runner could he get a sequel? This could yeah, absolutely. Let's get a see, sequel let's see. Is he still alive? <laughs> nope, uh, he dead. <laughs> nope, he dead. All right, cool. Well, we'll just yeah, get Spielberg. Yeah, we, can, we can get we can get Dick Randall, the guy who wrote it. Dude, apparently the uh-huh. um, the other so the screenplay is written by a man named Dick Randall and a guy named Dick Randall's dead. Well, too. there's another guy named Roberto uh, Leola. <laughs> But get but his his yes. like screen name is John Shadow. I want John, John Shadow to be my to to be the guy I work with. I can picture him coming on in to the board meeting and being like, "Guys, I want you to call me John oh, Shadow." No, we're not calling you that, Roberto. We're calling you Roberto. Well, I'm going to update my Wikipedia page. Anyway. Also, fun fact: if you look at the music for this in the Spanish version, there's yeah. one there's one person listed as music credits. In the international version, uh-huh. which I'm assuming is what we watched, there are one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven people involved Jesus. in the music. So, I just remember there's the only thing that sticks out to me about the soundtrack is that same dun. Yeah, dun, I thought that's dun, all that was happening. Dun, 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 dun. We, that was it. We, that's then, the only thing I remember, and it happened all the time. Well, it also, it also happened, it happened during, the, during the entire, uh, the thing I really noticed it was during the entire Bruce Lee Sack scene. And I was just like, what's <laughs> So like I wonder if maybe we watched the Spanish version then. Like we had we had the original mixing maybe, because possibly. there was no variation uh-huh. and I feel like with this many people at least one of the songs had to be different. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. You know, Fabio Frizi, you know, he, he gets something out of the table. Are you dead too? No, he's okay, alive. See, he's good. We have some people to talk Fabio's about. Fabio's good. We, like and actually uh, I was looking at the cast list while we while we watched while we were talking about the movie. Apparently um Bracken uh-huh. and Mary Riggs, the instructor, were married. Mhm. Ah, yeah, you know, like that's why Kendall couldn't get it at the end. That's mm-hmm. why they were like, "Sorry, Kendall, we we, this, we can't actually yeah. have this happen." Like, like Christopher uh-huh. George and Earl Ten Bracken will literally kill you. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> no. You know, at least he got that his that Bracken got his come up anything. <laughs> I guess he didn't. He oh. did. <laughs> and on that note, that was pieces. If you're in the mood for a crazy slasher horror movie that makes no goddamn sense but it is fun as hell to kind of meander your way through definitely recommended um it's on youtube just search pieces 1982 and you get the quality version that we got as well um not sure if you can buy digital we'll research that and we'll figure that out yeah do you know what we do next week or next next uh next time is that uh dude bro party massacre three nice yes dude bro party massacre three which is Another slasher film. I wish we watched in Korea, so it would be a nice, nice, right. uh, nice throwback. Awesome. Absolutely. So, any closing comments? Uh, no. Great, great movie. I'd I suggest it. I think it would make a Absolutely. great drinking game. i got to find one. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Every time we're done, done, done. <laughs> no, done, you'll die in the first done, five done, minutes. It'll be terrible. Over again. <laughs> yeah, we would. Alcohol yeah. poisoning. God. Ugh. Anyway, so this has been Proto Screwheads talk about horror movies. Um, I'd just like to give a special shout out to the band Teddy's Atlas for the use of their theme song, Horror Movie Story. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn. They're good, good Canadian boys, and they've been surprisingly oh. awesome to us. So thanks, guys. thanks, Teddy's Atlas. Appreciate that. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you Bye. next time. <laughs> <laughs>